Life's a pitch, and then you spy. John Alejandro King. Welcome to another episode of Felonious Pundits. I'm Kentad Svensgaard, and along with me, as always, your friend and mine, please say hello, hello, hello to AJ Mass. Why, hello, hello, hello yourself. It is so exciting to be here. We are just on a collision course with the season finale. We're just so, so close. I can taste yes. it. Oh, my goodness. I'm excited. Yeah, I am excited, too. It is the penultimate episode and we always, when we, whenever we have a chance to bring out that word, it's it's so much fun. And here we are already. It seems so quick, AJ. Uh, penultimate episode of Criminal Minds Season 1, episode number 21. This week's show is called Secrets and Lies. It was originally airing on May 3rd, 2006, directed by Matt Earl Beasley and written by Helen's husband, Sir Simon Mirren, once again. <laughs> All right. That may or may not be a fact, but uh, it is Simon Mirren who wrote this this week's episode. So why don't we just get into it? You know, people know what we're doing by now at this point. I didn't explain the show. I just realized they know what we're doing. It's about criminal minds. That's all they need to know. (laughs) Exactly. So (laughs) this week we open our show at night and we uh, zoom in in what appears to be a port or a shipyard type of setting. Hearing ship horns blowing in the night. We're told this is Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. Uh, we see a taxi cab pulling up to a quiet looking building. A woman gets out of the cab. She has two frightened looking children with her and a suitcase. There is ominous music playing, which ratchets up our tension. And we wonder what's going to happen to these people. The woman is clearly on the run from something or someone. She assures her kids everything is going to be okay. She has to meet a friend who's going to help them out. And then a car starts up and puts on its headlights and drives right toward them. The car stops and a man gets out and tells them they've got to move. They got to get out of there right now. The woman says he promised to protect her children. He says, that's what I'm doing. We got to move. So they get into the car and take off. And then we cut next to the man arriving at his apartment door without the woman and children. And he looks behind him as he unlocks his door. Unfortunately for him, somebody is already inside waiting for him and knocks him out as soon as he comes in. Uh, We cut to the man beaten and bloodied in a chair, and he is telling someone they'll never find her. Then he looks up and appears to recognize whoever he's talking to, and he says, I knew it had to be you. Then we cut to a little bit later. We see the man lifeless in a chair. He's zip tied to the chair. We see several people enter the room. We can't see any of their faces. They appear to be wearing government-looking suits like they're government agents of some kind. They cut his body loose. Then they rearrange it so that it looks like the guy has shot himself. They shove a shotgun in his mouth, pull the trigger. Uh, So they're making it look like a suicide. They leave a brief little suicide note, which just says, I'm a patriot, long live freedom, God bless America. So it really says nothing. (laughs) Yeah, but it's an, it's it's a really cool start to the show. It's it's fast paced. It's a lot of time advances, time advances, time advances. Uh, there's that nice little effect of you know 
I knew it had to be you, which would be which would be really cheesy in, in a different circumstance. But it's not like we know who he would be talking about anyway <laughs> at this point. Uh, but a lot of shows do this where it's like, you cut to commercial. Like, you know, okay, we understand here. You know, he, he obviously doesn't have to say, you know, James, I knew it had to be you or Barbara. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's fine at this point. Uh, and, and a nice little gloved hand neck snap there uh, to, to mm-hmm. dispatch him, which is uh, I like the gloved hands nature, too. So you don't really recognize whether it's a man's hands or a woman's hands. It, it, it mm-hmm. keeps the mystery going. So I, I liked the uh, pace and just really just drops you into this mystery. Like we know, OK, we got to figure out who killed this guy and why. And what's up with the staging? I'm I'm in. I'm hooked. Yep. It was frenetic and exciting. So we next cut to the frenetic and exciting BAU office. <laughs> it is nighttime. Uh, Gideon is there. He walks into his office. He gets on the phone. He makes a call. He says, I see that the paper has reported the death of our mutual friend. I'll wait for your call. It's all very mysterious. Uh, he's sleeping in his chair. We cut to a little bit later and he hears a noise and walks out into the main part of the office. There's a man in a suit and he's looking at a, a board of BAUs deta- detailing a recent case. And as not Gideon just a walks recent in, case, not just a recent case, our last episode, Charm and Harm. True. True. Charm <laughs> so and Harm. The timeline and- of this is a quick turnaround. It's like this all happened while, while Gideon was out of town and he rides back in town. He's like, holy crap. <laughs> yes. And the, uh, the man... Who's, I'm just going to say at this point, he's clearly a, a government agent of some kind as well. He's also saying, looking at that board and asking Gideon if he got the guy. And Gideon says, yeah, but only after he drowned eight women. So this guy was a sick bastard. But Gideon says, John Summers wasn't. And then he puts down the paper. Gideon says he was stressed, but not suicidal. Gideon signed off on him as fit for duty which was kind of a surprising little revelation to me. Gideon is signing off on people. He's doing some psychological evaluations, apparently. He's got a profiling side hustle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The man says, so you did? So he was? Gideon says, well, okay, so it wasn't suicide, right? And the man says, well, the papers say it was. (laughs) Gideon, of course, is not fooled. The investigation was too messy. You made it look like suicide. The man says that uh, the BAU office looks messy, this, he was just cleaning house. I was like, oh, wow, this in the office. That wasn't uncalled for. <laughs> immediately setting up that this this is a friendly rivalry. There, there's definitely some, uh, some my unit's better than your unit. <laughs> right. So Gideon says, so why do you look like crap? And the man says Gideon knows him too well. He explains that it was only people in his unit that knew that John Summers was CIA. And his bosses believe someone on his team had Summers killed. They want to know who and why. And Gideon is all, oh, a mole in Langley. And the man says, yep. And uh, this man, who we will come to learn his last name is Hawk, says uh, he's not high up enough on the food chain to dodge this bullet. So Gideon picks up the phone, starts to make calls. But the man stops him and says, hey, this is strictly in-house. Gideon says, well, then why don't you call Jack Bauer? No, he doesn't say that. Gideon Gideon says, "Uh, do you want my help? And the man is like, of course I do. And Gideon says, well, then I need my team. And he picks his phone back up. Credits. Spoop, 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 spoop. Oh, I'm sorry. Not 24. 
Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds. It's Criminal Minds. Nice. Uh, we come back and there's an establishing shot of FBI headquarters in Quantico. And Gideon gives us our opening quote. Albert Einstein said, whoever sets him up himself up as judge in the field of truth and knowledge is shipwrecked by the laughter of the gods. I think that means this ain't going to be an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> we cut inside and the elevator opens and we see Reed, Garcia, and JJ getting off the elevator along with what appears to be a CIA escort, which Garcia finds to be pretty strange. JJ is wondering what this is all about. And Reed says, considering it's 2 a.m., it's probably not good news. Uh, the team sets up in the roundtable room. Everyone is there. Hotch explains that the CIA's counterterrorism unit is on a mission to save one of their informants. They suspect one of their agents is a mole. And until their identity is discovered, they have locked down that unit. And Gideon says this gives them the opportunity to profile the unsub up close. Fair, fair. Next, we uh, see Gideon talking to a, a CIA flunky, tells him to go ahead, and the flunky talks into his watch and tells them to start the video. So apparently now the CIA is controlling all of the systems over at, uh, at, at the FBI's office. They're controlling what can be shown, when it can be shown. Well, yeah, they're, they're showing uh, CIA documents and videos, and so they're, they're controlling that. I do like the fact that he calls up a QuickTime video. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I know the technology is going to get better, but it just does, does take you back. Like, wow, man, remember QuickTime? <laughs> <laughs> so we see John Summers' photo, and Hotch explains that he was found tortured and murdered. Um, the CIA made it look like a suicide. Morgan notes that the wounds are from two different angles and different heights. One of the wounds was left-handed. One of them was something coming from someone that was right-handed. So it looks like maybe he was tortured by more than two people. L asks what Summers was working on. Hotch says, Aaliyah Nadir, she would, would had been uh, beaten and sexually assaulted by her husband, Hassan Nadir. And that's how she got flipped and agreed to help out the CIA. Uh, Nadir was a, is a diplomat for the Saudi government. He's also a fundraiser for major terrorist organizations. So Aliyah gave Summers intelligence on organizations that the CIA had never been able to crack before that her husband had funneled money to. Hassan realized he had a leak, but not who it was. So for Aliyah's protection, Summers never revealed her identity to the CIA uh, up until about eight weeks ago. Then they arranged for papers for her, and Summers brought her to the U.S. about a month ago. And then they faked a car accident so that Hassan thought he had lost his entire family. Only the CIA knew that the accident was staged, but now Hassan has arrived in Washington this week. Only someone apparently in the CIA unit could have given Hassan the information about his family. So uh, now he's here looking for them. And Morgan asks the usual question from BIU, well, why us? Morgan don't ever want to, like, get involved if he doesn't have to, but... <laughs> he, 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 wants to know, he wants to know what the motivation is. It's like, so this is a CIA case, and y'all CIA. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Please, can you finish the sentence for me? That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Gideon says, this is where he drops the bombshell, that every over the years he's been conducting psychological evaluations 
on every field agent in that particular unit. Garcia is like, you worked for the CIA? But Gideon says, not officially. Mm. Hotch says, if they stop this mission, even for a second, it's possible Aaliyah and her children are dead. And then we cut to what looks to me like the inside of maybe a storage container. And Aaliyah is telling her kids everything is going to be okay. He's going to come back for them. Spoiler alert. He will not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She she tells the kids to try to sleep. Spoiler alert. They will not. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Then we cut to back to the uh, CIA headquarters at Langley and... The BAU team is arriving. They're getting off the elevator. They get to keep their weapons, but they have to turn in their cell phones. We don't get to see how many phones Morgan turns in, but <laughs> my guess is it's more than one. <laughs> I do like the, they have some really cool X-ray technology here. The, the, the fast forward, the you know, we we see all the uh, flip phones and stuff that they're using in regular usage, but like, oh, the CIA has got this voodoo technology. It's like, oh, we can see what you digested like three hours ago on this thing. Yep, and they spot uh, Hotch Hat with his two guns. Reed has his gun. Even Reed has his gun uh, on him. Morgan points out that this unsub is going to know that he's he's been cornered. So. They're going to stay they're going to stay armed. They're not going to give up their guns. The team does get awkward stares from all the CIA agents as they walk in. And eventually the man from before, Agent Hawk, (laughs) walks over to them to greet them. Hawk starts to introduce himself. But but Hawk says, oh, I know who you are, you and your team. And he introduces his top team members if they need any help. You've got uh, Gina Sanchez. She's the associate director of field operations. You've got Kruger Spence, assistant director of operations. And then you have his second in command, Olivia Hopkins. As they walk away, Hotch says to Gideon, you never mentioned Bruno Hawk. And Gideon says, well, you never asked. And Hotch wonders how long he's unofficially worked for the CIA. Gideon says, long enough to know what we're dealing with. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that they've uh, introduced a rogues gallery of suspects here. It's like, you know, the story at this point is, hey, there's a mole here. Hi, look at all the suspects. <laughs> Thank right. you. Let's move yes. on with the show. <laughs> we do cut back to the BAU office and apparently JJ and Garcia were not allowed to go with the team to Langley. And they're being escorted by some CIA agents into Garcia's office. She's wondering why they can't be with the rest of the team. And the CIA agent tells Garcia that her name is on a list. She's like, (laughs) list? What? Then all of a sudden, all of her computers and monitors switch over to display the CIA logo. So as there, she uh, whispers over to JJ. This means they'll be able to finally find out if Princess Diana's death was really an accident. And JJ thinks maybe that's exactly the sort of thing that Garcia on their list <laughs> good humor, good humor. Yes. Then they pull up a f- full roster of everyone in Hawk's unit, 22 people, including Summers. JJ says number 21 and 22 are with them right there in the office. And Garcia's like, well, what if it's one of them? Uh, JJ turns around and then she looks at him and then she turns back around with the goofiest, oh shit, look on her face. Yeah. If, kind if of broke could... the moment for me a little. <laughs> Yeah, if I could, uh, I know this is this is an audio podcast, so you can't, you know, if I did an impression of a look, uh, it wouldn't obviously translate. But I believe 
it would go a little something like this. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Then we cut back to the CIA and our, our team is in a conference room. And Gideon says they're looking for what the CIA is a type A personality, overachiever, highly adaptable, well-educated, virtually unshakable, uh, someone who's manipulative, manipulative enough to persuade a loyal foreign national to betray their country or a wife to betray her husband. And most importantly, this unsub long ago accepted the reality that they will be summarily executed if caught. So life means nothing to this unsub, not his own life, not his family's, not his colleagues, certainly not the BAU's and not theirs, he says, pointing at a screen, which is showing Leah and her children. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we're, we're still criminal minds, so we got to have a profile scene, even if there aren't like 66 uh, cops staring at us going, oh, what's going on? What do we do? What are we looking for? We don't we don't believe you. Why would we do it? I mean, at least he's got a receptive audience here, which is why probably this is the fastest profiling scene ever. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't even think you're getting any questions from Al at this point. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Hot says, uh. One of those agents turned against everything they believe in. Why? Morgan says maybe it's about ideology. Hotch says they need to find the stressor, the major event that caused them to turn. <laughs> Thanks uh, for explaining it. Uh, Gideon says that the intelligence community has a mant- mantra which says to increase the parameter of the paranoia of your enemy. And right now we're the enemy. So whatever you see, whatever you're told, please trust nobody but me. Uh, Garcia, I guess, is on the computer this whole time, and she chimes in. Gideon, you're going to want to take a look at this surveillance video. So they play it, and it happens to be a video of Gideon in a garage meeting with Summers, uh, getting ready to do an evaluation, apparently. Hotch asks him when this was, and Gideon says about three days before he died. Yeah, it's... uh... It's uh, I just like the, I just like the whole Gideon thing. Like, trust no one but me, the guy who didn't tell you that I was working for the CIA for all these years, <laughs> and the guy who's just about to appear on a tape that I didn't tell you that I actually met with the guy, even though I had a feeling this videotape was going to come out. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Summers is talking to Gideon, and he's telling him that he's wondering who called this meeting, and Gideon says, "Does it matter?" And Summers tells him every detail matters. Then he says it can only be one of four people. Whoever requested this wanted more than just an evaluation from you. So they pause the video and Morgan asks if Gideon knew that they were filming him. And Gideon said he assumed that they were. And Reed says taking in all the factors discussed, age, rank, field status, and you eliminate all the non-field agents. And they have about 16 candidates for their for their unsub who, again, are all in this unit. Gideon says we have to assume that the mole has an exit strategy, and Hotch says only now we're blocking the exit, and the only way out is through us. I do find it a little weird that, you know, Garcia had already narrowed it down to 22. (laughs) And like, ah, after hearing this, I've narrowed it down to 16. Like, that's such great progress. That's not really not narrowing it down at that point. Uh, How about, hey... What four people could he be talking about? <laughs> that would be yeah. what my intention is there. It just it seemed a little weird that, like, it could only be one of four people, and I'm going to do the opposite of what he believes and just subtract four from the 20. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just don't get it. Yeah. 
We uh, next cut back from a break, AJ, and uh, Agent Hawk is announcing to his unit that they all know why BAU is there. They have their job. We have ours. We're down to the wire on this. Aaliyah Nadir risked everything. Now she and her children deserve their fullest attention. Uh, so everyone sets off to work, and we see Gina Sanchez heading toward the BAU team. She says, Agent Gideon, and he says, it's good to see her again. She accuses him of lying. She says, your evaluation took me out of the field. And he says, he simply wrote the truth. You're highly intelligent. You're impossibly strong-willed. There's going to come a time when you can't follow orders. She says, well, it hasn't happened yet. And Gideon says, it will. And she tells him he's wrong and she stomps off. Yeah, I just think she's upset she didn't get to be in the huddle when Chief Hawks told them all to focus. You know, one team, Wildcats, go! <laughs> she she, she yeah. was somewhere else. <laughs> I think it it was that scene was a, a little bit important to just establish that yeah we know that we have a mole but we're going to still continue because I thought it was kind of strange that they would still continue to be working if they know they have a mole but they established that if they don't then that maybe something will happen to Aaliyah and they so they're they're going to have to work during this and I mean let's be honest here is it possible that they don't have a mole I mean well, what what if, what if they're just wrong? I mean, clearly we know that the BAU can be wrong and the CIA can be wrong. So uh, the important thing is we got to find Aaliyah and the kids. So yeah, right. let's let's focus on that. Let's you know I know they're going to be accusing each and every one of us of major crimes and treason, which possibly could subject us to death sentences. But hey, let's look for this woman. <laughs> we've, yeah, we've got jobs to do. Yeah. So after his little confrontation with Sanchez, Gideon walks back over to uh, Hotch and Agent Hawk. Uh, he explains they're looking for the extreme event that the stressor that the agent who tipped off Hassan may have had, whatever the stressor was. Hawk is like, these agents are trained to cope with extreme events. And Gideon says, well, whatever turned this agent, you can't train for. So Hawk says, well, they're welcome to everything he has. Every op they've ever done is on file. And Hotch asks, well, what about the ones that aren't on file? Like the wiretaps at the Saudi embassy? Hawk just kind of laughs that off, says they don't even exist. And Hotch asks him how long his department has been running operations in Riyadh. Hawk says that they have a declared presence there, monitoring U.S. interests. And he says, if that's all, uh, he's got an informant he's got to go save. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And even if I did know what you were talking about, what what, what you're talking about, you ain't getting. So <laughs> back off, buddy. Uh, yeah. it, it's nice that everybody uh, in this unit is going to be confrontational with the VAU. So it's just like, yeah, trust nobody here. Like They're, they're not your friends. And no one's going to come up to you and go, psst, he's the mole. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, Morgan calls Gideon and Hotch over to, to take another look at the surveillance video. And he points out that there's a woman sitting in the passenger seat of the car. And of course, unlikely as it is, they're able to zoom in, change the angle of the picture, <laughs> enhance it. Uh, Elle says, well, that looks a lot like Aaliyah. And also her kids are in the photo, so probably a good guess. <laughs> uh, Hotch asks why would he leave them in the car? Unless maybe he knew he was being videotaped. And then they go back to the video to the part where it says it can only be one of four people. And they pause it again. And Gideon says, well, that's not true. Anyone in the division could have insisted on an evaluation. Why did he narrow it down to four? 
Morgan says that he knew Hassan had come to the U.S. because he found out his wife was alive and he knew someone in his agency was working for Hassan. So if they don't discover who the mole is before they find her, she and the, those kids are dead. Yeah, thanks for stating the stakes that we already figured out the stakes. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, we get it. We get it. Just in case we forgot. Yeah. Gideon asks Garcia how many agents in this unit were actually in Saudi uh, monitoring U.S. interests. That's strange. You said he asked Garcia. Are you sure he didn't just go, Siri, how many agents were in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> Garcia, how many? He just speaks into the air. Garcia. <laughs> Playing the role of Siri this week is Penelope Garcia. <laughs> so Garcia does her clickety-clacking, and she says uh, there are four agents that were monitoring U.S. interests, and we can see the names on her screen. It's Bruno Hawks himself, number one, and it happens to be everybody else we met in the earlier scene. Olivia Hopkins, Gina Sanchez, and Kruger Spence. Send in the usual suspects. <laughs> yes. So clearly at this point, nobody, nobody else in the unit matters. <laughs> this is who we have to focus on. No, uh, at this point, everybody else in the unit has now become furniture. And we'll see a prime example of that later in the episode. <laughs> Stick a pin in that. <laughs> yes. So Gideon uh, tells Garcia just to uh, keep watching the tape. And uh, then he says John Summers would have only trusted seasoned, agent, seasoned agents, which is why in this unit there's only four so... He guessed that had had to be one of his four bosses. That was probably the mole. Morgan says that before he put her in for Aaliyah's extraction, he wanted to know which one not to ask about the. Obviously, because then she's gonna yeah. get killed. Exactly. You don't want to say, "Hey, hey, you, Molly Mole, Molly Mole, can you watch her?" Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'll watch her. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take care of her. Uh, <laughs> So Gideon says that they're going to need to match up with each of the suspects one-on-one. Kruger Spence, again, assistant director of operations. He was recruited at age 18 after graduating from MIT. Reed says that he has six years of experience as a weapon systems designer and an IQ of 197. Uh, However, he butted up against the system. He didn't deal well with authority. They moved him to field operations in China for eight years before transferring him over to this current unit. Then L brings up Olivia Hopkins, divorced mother of two, spent nine years in field operations in Europe. Uh, she visited Riyadh with Kruger. Okay. And then Morgan says, and I got Gina Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> My man. West, <laughs> West Point graduate, black belt in two martial arts. She served in Iraq doing psychological operations with military intelligence. Joined the CIA five years ago. Speaks three languages, including Arabic. Hotch. Then says Bruno Hawk, Deputy Director of Operations, Extensive Field Ops in the Middle East and Europe, did military service with Jason Gideon. And they all look at Gideon. And uh, Gideon says the one thing he's learned over his years of profiling CIA agents, spies are some of the most smartest liars in the world. So be smarter. Great advice, Gideon. <laughs> yeah. Be smart. I do, like, I do like the fact, you know, they've brought five people in here. Uh, and there's four suspects, so everyone take one, and Gideon will stay uh, away from it all. Just kind of like uh, the head coach said, all right, team, go on out there and uh, shadow your man and uh, see what's up. Yeah. Uh, so we next cut back to uh, Aaliyah, who is giving her neon lamp a few whacks to, so that it can hopefully stay lit. 
It looks like the gallon container of water that they had seems to be getting close to empty. And the boy, of course, says he's thirsty. The mom grabs the container, says, drink, share the last of the water with your sister. The girl says it's okay. He can have it. She's not even that thirsty. It's heartbreaking. Uh, so basically, what you're finding out here is that Aaliyah and the kids are in danger of potentially dying on their own. <laughs> Forget about the bowl yeah. at this point. Like... Oh crap! We don't know where they are either. Like it's it's not even just at the mall. I find out like nobody knows where they are, and if they don't, I mean, I at this point I'm just like, I hope they can get out of that room they're in. Because <laughs> if he just locked them yeah. away somewhere and said, I'll be back with the key, then it, oof. They, oh, they in trouble. <laughs> yes, indeedy. So uh, yeah, the boy starts to drink, and of course the neon lamp goes out. I'm like, hey, they still have enough ambient light to see. That was my thought. <laughs> Probably wasn't the kindest reaction. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, if, if, if the kid, if the youngest dies, I mean, you know, well, at least there's some nutrition for the next couple of days. If they really need to. <laughs> Is that what you were thinking, Kintan? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> so we cut to the next scene and Reed is talking to Kruger Spence. That name, Kruger Spence. Spencer Reed and Kruger Spence. Yeah. <laughs> It, what did they, did they just, they just, they go, oh, we want to anagram Spencer Reed and make a new name. <laughs> Reed or Spence? No, that's stupid. <laughs> Kruger Spence. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Every genius is named Spence. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Spence is telling Spence <laughs> that they can't circulate a photo of a woman who's supposed to be dead. He appreciates that Reed has a job to do, but so does he. They walk up to a group of random agents and Kruger tells them to look where Leah would feel the most comfortable, perhaps Arab populated areas. And Reed interrupts him and says, actually, you might want to start by profiling Summers. Uh, Kruger's like, uh, be my guest. Leah's about to be brutally murdered in front of her children. Got nothing. OK, fine. So he turns his back on Reed, uh, back towards his agents Starts talking about, all right, let's start putting some teams together. But then the Reed chimes in again. You know, Summers was obsessed with his own security. He didn't care about money or possessions or, or family. All he cared about was his job. He was a classic control freak, a meticulous paranoid. And then Kruger actually starts to look thoughtful. And he says, uh, a loner who chose to live outside the community. Reed says, yes, in an environment that he can control. And Kruger says, all right, so he would have placed Aaliyah outside the community in an environment that only he could control and have access to. Kruger turns back to his team. All right, new idea. Search around Summer's apartment. Let's look at industrial sites, storage spaces, warehouses, which I'm like, yeah, 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 that's it. <laughs> uh, and then he turns back to Reed and actually says, hey, that's good. Thanks. Yeah. And the look on Reed's face says it all here. It's like... Okay, but I think Kruger might be the mole, so I think I just helped the mole. And I'm not supposed to help the mole, but I am supposed to help find her. So did I do a good thing, or did I not do a good thing? Oh, he is in such a catch-22 at this point. And his face basically goes, ay 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 gosh. We'll see if I can work that in a third time. <laughs> okay. It may happen. That's comedy, you know. Uh, rule of threes. 
We cut to Morgan. He's talking to Gina Sanchez and uh, she's telling him she couldn't stand a job where she just had to sit and talk to people all day. And Morgan's like, I get my fair share of action. And Gina Sanchez is like, I'm sure you do. Um, she says she has something that he might find interesting. And she's got what looks like maybe Google Earth on her screen, a big picture of the Earth. She talks to the person next to her. I think she calls her Joystick. Yeah. Is that, is that her nickname? Okay, Joystick. She says, uh, <laughs> hey, Joystick, come around 30 degrees. Go to 15 by 13 north and then zoom in two miles. Uh, Joystick does this. And uh, Morgan is looking at it at the screen. And he's like, wait a minute. Hey, that looks like my neighborhood. Wait a minute. That is my neighborhood. That's my house. That's my bike. Uh, she zooms onto his house and says, you have a dog. And there's like, you see a thermal image. I'm going to call it a thermal image. I don't know what technology yeah, they're using. I would using. call that a heat signature uh, on a thermal image, yeah. Uh, of, a, of a dog in Morgan's house. And Morgan, I, I love his demeanor here because he's just laughing. He's not like, what are you doing invading my privacy? No, he's just like laughing, chuckling. Yeah, I, I got a dog. That's Clooney. Of course, his dog <laughs> is named Clooney. I just thought that was a, a hilarious detail. Um, I, I mean, I'm, just mad. I, and I'm not going to put this into the predictions, but uh, exactly how many times do you think we're going to hear about Clooney from this point forward? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Morgan has a dog. I've watched this show a million times. Like, Morgan's got a dog? <laughs> <laughs> Clooney. <laughs> Apparently, uh, apparently, Morgan got got home, saw that Clooney had been on the couch, and immediately took him to the yes. shelter. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'm just mad that we learned Clooney's name before we learned uh, Hodge's son's name. Surprisingly enough, gonna... also Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> so Morgan then says, "Okay, so you know where I live? I like that player, player." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then he, uh, I mean, you know, Morgan. Morgan don't care if she's the mole at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then he uh, he does switch it up a little bit. He says, "Oh, so you also knew where Summers lived?" And she says, "Well, that's her job." And then he he sort of come comes in on her. He's like, "Is it's your job to make it look like a suicide? You stood over the dead body of a friend and a colleague. You stuck a shotgun in his mouth and you pulled the trigger." And she's just like, "Yep." <laughs> Yep. Uh, Morgan is like, well, that must take a psychological toll. And she says, look, let's get one thing clear. We all write a letter just like the one Summers wrote. And Morgan says a suicide note that doesn't mess with your mind just a little bit. She says she's not disillusioned or confused about what she is, what she does or what she has done. Morgan says someone here is why else would they rat out their own people? And Gina says, well, you'll just have to ask them. And she walks away and Morgan follows after her. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact that, you know, you, you picked up, obviously, it's obvious the tone change. But I just like, it's just Morgan. It's just, he's good at his job. Morgan is probably the best of these agents. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, all right. Yeah, flirty, flirty, flirty. All a cover. All a cover her for just letting get as much information out of her this way. And then when, okay. Now go in for the strike. I'm a cobra. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, he, he was very effective there. And as he walks away, he's walking past L and they do a nice little thing where he walks and then the focus shifts onto L. 
uh, of the camera and he's, and she's talking to uh, Olivia Hopkins. She's saying, <laughs> L go to L, L go to L. Yeah. First thing she says, so you men suck, don't they? <laughs> yeah. FBI looks a lot like the, the CIA looks a lot like the FBI. A real boys club must be really tough being a woman here. And Olivia has spent like two seconds with L and already she's annoyed. <laughs> and I'm like, welcome to the club, <laughs> Olivia. She said, she says, uh, get to the point agent. And L's like you divorced, lost custody of your kids. That certainly <laughs> didn't help your career. huh? So men suck. And your life sucks too, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, Olivia says, uh, are you interrogating me? And Elle says, oh, these are just questions. I'm like, isn't that what interrogating <laughs> is? But okay. Just questions in series uh, designed for me to elicit information that you don't want to give me. <laughs> Call it what you want. You say tomato. <laughs> Olivia says to her, uh, you want some answers? Why don't you just look in my file? Elle says, well, she did. Uh, during an operation in Europe, you were taken hostage. And Olivia says, yeah, for which I've received counseling. And I was like, but it didn't help. Your marriage busted up pretty quickly. <laughs> Olivia crosses her arms and saying, how does all this help you? Elle says it would take a major event for someone to turn across a turn against their country. Don't you think Hawk comes out and he's sort of watching what's going on. And basically everybody in the office, it's like, this is out in the open. Everybody is kind of like, huh, yeah. let's watch what's going on here. And Elle's just doing her L thing where she just, she, we, we just saw the subtlety and the uh, effectiveness of Morgan getting the information he wants and getting his point across and without causing the entire office to like stare at him and go on, what the heck is this guy doing? And Elle, uh, <laughs> Tact, she has not. <laughs> Ella's like, uh, what happened to you over there? This is probably not in any file, huh? Did they attack you? Did they rape you? And uh, Kruger, who's standing nearby also and watching, is like, that's enough. This is a violation of her civil rights. Hawk comes over and he actually defends Elle. He's like, until they find the sleeper and we find Aaliyah, all rights are revoked. And so L keeps digging in. Where were you that night that Summers was murdered? And everyone is staring at them. And Kruger all of a sudden says, okay, she was with me. He was with her. He was in her apartment. And Gideon right away says, well, you are a married man. At some point, you must have left to go back home to your wife, right? No. And, uh, <laughs> ah, ah, yes. Gideon asks Olivia if she woke to an empty bed. She says, yes, she did. She looks at Elle and she's like, are we done here? And I, I know Elle is on our side, AJ. But <laughs> they just made her seem so unlikable here. They didn't have to work very hard. I mean, that, that's just Elle in a <laughs> nutshell. Uh, you know, you know, don't blame Elle. She's just written that way. But it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's oof. I, mean, I, I did like the fact that uh, you're like, I'm her alibi. Actually, it's not much of an alibi, is it? No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, Kruger does say his wife will testify that he arrived home at 1.30 a.m. And Hawk says, we all know that none of this is ever going to reach a court. Kruger says, uh, if you want to arrest us for having an affair, go ahead. Hawk says he'll deal with them too later. Gideon looks at Hotch and has kind of a smug look on his face like he's enjoying the proceedings. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ellen Hutcher stared at this whole scene like in shock and like, oh my gosh, what's going on in this department? Gideon is like, 
Ah, he, 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 look at all the mayhem I have caused. He, he, he. He's giddy and Gideon. Uh, where was I? Olivia's about Olivia. to walk off in a huff. Yeah, yeah. She tries. She she does walk away from Kruger, who who does try to say something to her, but she's all talk to the hand, basically. Um, <laughs> Don't help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't help. Uh, then she walks into apparently like a back room or an office, and we followed her. So I guess something important is about to happen. She goes she to her sits- private terminal. Terminal for yes. money shows what she wants it to show. And I like that she talks out what she's typing so that we can all hear <laughs> Riyadh 2003. Uh, even though nobody's in the in that area no. with her uh, that we know of. <laughs> um, we see her all of a sudden from the point of view camera. So, uh-oh, whenever I see that point of view camera on Criminal Minds, I'm like, oh, that's bad news for whoever we're seeing. The point of view of nine times and, out of uh, ten, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, Olivia is there doing her own version of clickety clack. She pulls up some information on her screen, looks at it, and she seems to be pretty distraught at whatever she's seeing. And then there's some closed circuit TVs above uh, her computer monitors, uh, four of them, and they all turn to snow. Informa, you know, see that means not me. I'm gonna A licky boom boom down. Oh, oh, not that snow. <laughs> not that snow. Oh no, but she uh, does. Uh, she does know who turned informa at this point. One can yes. assume. Ah, good, good catch. Good, good reference. Uh, Olivia looks up, and but it's just in time to see the gloved hands reach out toward her, snap her neck, and we hear a brief scream from her. Uh, it looks like it's over for Olivia. <laughs> we come back from uh, what looked like it was a commercial break and Elle is walking with Gideon. She says she saw all the CCTV monitors were down and Olivia hadn't con- come back. So she went looking for her. They open the office where Olivia's body is and she's just laying there face down on top of the computer keyboard. Gideon asks Elle if any of the other agents have seen the body yet and Elle shakes her head. And Gideon says, good, we can use this to our advantage. Get the others. I'm just impressed so, no. it didn't take L three hours to report it to Gideon. <laughs> we know how she likes to do these things. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, <laughs> Olivia. Dead. Uh, by the way, Olivia's dead. <laughs> um, her body's in the back room. Uh, yeah, it, it, it coincided with the snow, but, you know, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you need to know that? <laughs> So next we cut to uh, Hawk entering the conference room. He wants to know what's going on. Kruger comes in and asks what they're doing there. Sanchez is there as well. And the rest of the BAU team. And Kruger is like, you're why, you're pulling us away from our assignments. There's a woman out here whose life depends on us. Uh, Gina is the one who notices that Olivia is gone and asks where she is. Hotch lets them know. Right out, comes right out and says it. Olivia Hopkins was murdered 10 minutes ago. Her neck was snapped. Gideon says, just like John Summers, Kruger doesn't really believe it at first. He's kind of scoffing and asks what they're talking about. And Sanchez and Hawk just looked shocked at the news. Kruger is like, you're lying. Where is she? Look, people just don't get murdered inside of the CIA. True. I'm going to say that's probably a very valid statement. (laughs) This is not (laughs) a common occurrence. Hawk says that he realizes the enormity of this situation, 
But Hassan Nadir is still out there looking to kill his wife, and he needs every agent on this. Sanchez leaves, followed by Kruger. Hawk's, Hawk walks out the other door, and Gideon follows him. And uh, he asks Hawk, what does he think it would take for someone to betray their country? Hawk says if he knew that, Gideon wouldn't be there. Or is this the part where he profiles him? And Gideon says he's done that for over 20 years and for free. Hawk smiles and asks Gideon what he's come up with. Gideon says, well, you don't smile as much as you used to, but the Rogaine's working. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Hawk says Gideon needs to quit his day job. Uh, Gideon says, you strive your entire life just to seek the approval of your father. Wait, what? <laughs> was my thought right there. Again, um, 20 years worth of profiling. That, that is not something he pulls out of, out of the hat. He just, he knows it right. very well. Right. He uh, says, obsessively, you tried not to make the same mistakes that you're, that he made. And the emotional cost wipes the smile off your face. And Hawk says, well, you know, my kids, they don't even know who or what their father really is. Gideon says, they know there's absolutely nothing you wouldn't do for them. And who says, you know, that kids need to know everything about us? Trust me, we're not that interesting. Who do you think it is? Hawk says, I'm so close to it, Jason. Honestly, I can't tell. But he is glad that Gideon's there. Gideon says, are you feeling okay? You lost two of your people, two colleagues, two friends. Hawk says he's lost plenty of them along the way. He's just pissed off. Someone's going to pay dearly for what they've done. Okay. I mean, it's, it, I, I, I do like what Gideon, like, really just gets down and becomes human for a few minutes. And, you know, guys known for 20 years, maybe, maybe not friends per se, but they're certainly, uh, they've known each other a long time. And uh, this was a very natural conversation between two people who've known each other a long time. I thought the writing on this was pretty good. Next, we cut to Sanchez walking with Hotch and Morgan. She's saying, you lined us all up to see how we'd react to Olivia's death. So what did you see? Hot They're all pretty smart, aren't they, though? I yeah, think, they, they, they know what's going on. None of them none of them are fooled by this tactic. Like, oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Hotch says, you stared straight at Kruger like you were trying to deflect the blame on someone else. And Sanchez just says, look, we're wasting precious time that, that Aaliyah doesn't have. Unless you've got something useful to ask me, uh, we're trying to save some lives, okay? <laughs> uh, and Morgan just says, well, so are we. Um, Sanchez's phone rings. She picks it up, says, patch it through. And then she looks at them and says, it's for you. And she gets up and leaves. And it's Garcia and JJ. Uh, you know, that virus that knocked out the CCTV, it was downloaded into the system three weeks ago. And then Morgan asks, by who? We cut to Kruger talking to Reed and L. He's saying just because he lied about Olivia doesn't make him the mole. Morgan enters and says, no, but the virus that took out the CCTV monitors does originated from your computer. Which basically means it was uploaded into the system, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Not, not, yeah. Not downloaded into the system. I mean, Garcia would make a mistake like that, but that's not, you know, that's the writers. That's not her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm just saying, it, it sounds like an upload, not a download. Good point. So Kruger's like, well, whoever put that in my computer is trying to frame me. Uh, Morgan says Olivia didn't find what she was looking for. You know why? Because all your files had been erased. Kruger says, do you really think if I was the mole, I would keep files that would incriminate me? Those files were erased to make me look guilty. Which is, and, which is a weird uh, statement. I, that, it's like, it's like, all your files were erased. 
Do you think if I was the mole, all my files would be there? No, they'd be erased. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) He gets to the point eventually, like they're trying to frame me and make it look like there's there's something to hide. But it it just comes across wrong there. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We do hear a phone ring. And then for some reason, like from across the office, I don't know why JJ and L are just calling Sanchez, but they've called her again. Well, well, they, they see they they've taken a, a, a an overview of the facility and like where would Morgan be by Sanchez? <laughs> yeah, he'd be hanging out with Sanchez. Trust me. <laughs> uh, so Sanchez yells out, "Hey, Morgan, your girlfriend's back!" So he gets to a computer and says, uh, "It's Morgan. Go ahead, Garcia." Garcia says the virus left a back door into the CIA mainframe. And she sort of used it to find out who ordered John Summers' psych eval with Gideon. They ask her who it was. Turns out it was John Summers himself. Dum, dum. Well, we'll have to find out what that means. Sounds unusual to me. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Morgan wonders, too, why Summers would order his own evaluation. And Reed figures it out. He says... So we'd ask that question ourselves. Guys, we've, we've missed something on the surveillance tape. And uh, Morgan says we better figure out what it was before Hassan's friend in here beats us to it. So next, AJ, we check back in with Aaliyah and her kids. And she's telling them that she needs to go find them some water. Obviously, they don't want her to go. And she says, look, if Mr. Summers comes back before I do, and I'm just like, no. But uh, she says, if Mr. Summers comes back before I do, you tell him he's got to wait for me. Do not come looking for mommy. No matter what happens, you're safe here. Promise me do not leave here. Uh, They promise her and she gives him what looks to me like a last look before she turns around and leaves. Yeah, they, they, you know, you can sugarcoat things to your kids all you want, but they know the score. (laughs) They've already in their heads are like, yeah, Mr. Summers ain't coming back. Well, like, that ain't happening. And quite frankly, we don't think you're coming back either. <laughs> we're gonna give you, we're gonna give you 16 hours, and then we out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we do cut back to the team, and they're looking more once more at the surveillance video. And Summers is in the middle of speaking, and he's saying, "Presidents come, presidents go. One thing that always remains: the people that run those presidents." And Gideon looks at him and says, people like you? And Summer says, me? No, I'm just an expendable pawn. But I got wise to their game. And Gideon asks, what game? Summer says, battleship. I'm the ship at sea. They try to sink me. And Gideon asks how he copes. And he says, compartmentalization. Separate and seal every aspect of my life. If one part of the whole is compromised, the rest of the whole remains intact. I stay afloat. Gideon says, well, what about a direct hit? And Summer says, well, then I have a box that I put really important things in, a sort of insurance policy. Gideon says, against what? Summer says, sudden death, which I think (laughs) might have been a better episode title, by the way. Sudden death. Well, considering Uh, that they don't actually say secrets and lies at any point during this episode, which, again, two in a row now that they don't say the title, but like, come on, man. (laughs) You're right. That would have been a much better title. I I wish they would name these things... (laughs) Uh, based on quotes on the regular but they just especially when there's things that are sitting out there you know so he says it's it's to keep them safe from those who appear to be friends so hotch is like well he was trying to tell you about the mole 
And Morgan says, if they were following Summers, how come they don't know where Summers put Aaliyah? And Gideon says, you couldn't follow Summers through a desert. He was that good. And Hotch figured it out. He says, well, so they followed you. Morgan says, well, then Summers must have known that they would be filming him. Gideon says, they always are. So smile. <laughs> um, You're on CIA I'm, camera. <laughs> Hotch then asks Garcia to run the tape again. And Garcia and JJ are there talking about everything they just saw. And they realize that Summers was trying to tell Gideon how to find Aaliyah. JJ says Summers cover in Saudi was for a shipping company. And Garcia says, well, how about a shipping container? That's a big box. So she starts to clickety clacking, clacketing. And JJ says the only shipping port is uh, near Summers that was near Summers apartment in Baltimore is north up the I-95 from Langley. And we cut to Hotch, who was saying, uh, Garcia, I love you. And I'm like, what about JJ, Mr. Hotchner? But yeah, okay. JJ didn't want to figure um, this thing out. <laughs> Again, JJ <laughs> is the best person on this team, the only one who does the actual detective work. She's always on the ball. Why are they, why, why waste her away in media? Why? <laughs> yes. Garcia does look worried, though. She says someone just tapped into her feed. And so they're out there looking at the office, and we see Hawk making a phone call. Sanchez is on the phone as well. And Hotch says, well, we all just found out where Aaliyah is, and so did someone else. Yes. Interestingly, no shot of Kruger Spence during that little look there, as if he's nowhere to be found, which is certainly suspicious. Uh, I, I I like the fact, I, I don't understand why Hotch said, Garcia, I love you. I mean, it just, it's so out of character for him in general. And and then for him to say it just so, you know, JJ's like reacts to it like, did you just say what you just said? And Garcia, I thought that I thought Garcia had frozen it. Well, like I thought there was something wrong with their feed. Like, and maybe there was a momentary glitch that it, it, they should have played it as there's a momentary glitch and Garcia doesn't react to to Hotch, and that's how we know there's a glitch. But JJ heard it, so like it, it, it doesn't jive there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was that was strange. It was just weird. Um, Garcia, I love yeah. you. Cricket, cricket, <laughs> cricket. I mean, <clears throat> I'm a married man, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he's just trying to do like that Morgan type of uh, patter, and it just doesn't come out. Maybe he's just awkward with it. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's like, yo, this is why I don't smile. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next, we cut to see Aaliyah. She's running along the shipping containers, and she comes back to the one where her kids were. Uh, but the kids aren't under the blanket. And then we hear a, si- a sound from the other side of the container. And a man's voice is telling the kids to stand over there. Dun, dun, dun. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. We uh, come back from a break and Sanchez is walking toward a big monitor with that Google Earth image up on it. And she finds Hawk. She says she can have a chopper on the roof fueled and ready in two minutes. Hawk says there's thousands of containers at that port. What makes you sure Aaliyah and her kids are in one of those containers? Elle says, well, why don't we send a SWAT team, split them up, have them searching grids? Hotch is like, why? Because Hassan has diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> this mission cannot exist, AJ. Shout out to AJ to 
the creator of the diplomatic immunity twist on Survivor South Africa. Uh, yes, I was very excited about that. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, Chappies uses it very well. <laughs> uh, anyway, at this point, Gideon is saying, well, we know our mole is not Gina. So he tells Morgan <laughs> to take Gina with him. Hawk says, hey, wait a minute, this is my command. These are my people. And Hot says, well, they have jurisdiction and there's nothing he can do to stop them. I'm like, oh, oh wow. Yeah, they get, they're getting bold here. You know, Gideon this whole time has been writing something on a notepad and then he hands it to mm-hmm. Hotch. And it's 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 just weird because no one is mentioning this at the time. And they're, it's like they're doing a scene and like uh, Mandy Patinkin is there going, I'm going to just doodle. <laughs> Look, check out this doodle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, Gideon says to uh, Hawk, look, you've always trusted me, right? And he nods. So Gideon says, trust me now. Uh, Hotch and L walk up to Kruger and say, you need to come with us. He starts saying, wait a minute, this is crazy. But he does hand over his weapon. So they're apparently they're going to take him in. Gina, meanwhile, is giving her team instructions. Um, she's telling them to use the thermal imaging to search the containers, search every container for body heat. Then you can walk us in and direct us when we get there. She tells some rando agents to come with her. Hawk says, Jason, you better be certain about this. And Gideon says he is. And Hawk says, well, convince me. And Gideon says, well, we see it all the time in suspects who kill their loved ones. They immediately try to shift the focus away from themselves. Reed says, Kruger betrayed his wife. He betrayed Olivia. And after all that betrayal, betraying his country was easy. And then they look at the big monitor zooming into the Baltimore port. And meanwhile, Reed goes over to Joystick and he's like, excuse me a second. And sort of kicks her out of the chair. Furniture. They're just furniture at this point. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't doesn't even wait for the move. He just shoves her out the seat. And she goes. She doesn't doesn't belong. She doesn't say anything. (laughs) Just, geez, please. They didn't want to pay poor Joystick (laughs) for speaking. Um, Anyway, he... uh, He's able to zoom immediately into the correct container. It, look, this is just, look, I get it. The technolo- I'll buy the technology exists and that the CIA could use this. I don't know why as soon as Garcia said clickety-clickety-clack Baltimore uh, storage art that they didn't just zoom in and start searching at then and there. Uh, but certainly uh, there's, no raid, there's no way Reed, who probably never played video games as a kid, let's be honest. <laughs> there is no way he, he controls this joystick instantly to go and zip, 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 there, that one right there. <laughs> it's just silly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they do note the number of people that the thermal image is showing them, and they realize uh, maybe they're too late because it looks like Hassan beat, beat us to him. We cut to the container, Aliyah saying, don't hurt them, don't hurt the kids. It was me, it was all my fault. And Hassan is like, hurt them. I buried them. I buried you. He holds up his hand and says, look at this, uh, pointing at his wedding ring. You see, you betrayed me. You took my children away from me. Why? She says, do what you want to me. All of a sudden, we do hear the sound of a helicopter closing in. Uh, We cut back to the CIA and Hawk is saying that Gina and Morgan will arrive in three minutes. Hotch walks up to the window of the office and shares a meaningful look with Gideon. And Gideon doesn't look happy. We cut back to the port. Gina and Morgan and the other CIA agents are on the ground. We cut to the container and Hassan looks up again at the light from the copter, then points his gun at the kids 
and starts saying, don't make me do this. What did you tell them? What did you tell them? Don't make me do this. We cut back to the interrogation of Kruger, who says, can't you people see what's going on? All this was part of their plan. And now Hassan is going to kill Aliyah. Hotch holds up the paper in front of him, says, this is our one and only offer. L says, consider it carefully before you respond. So Hotch is holding up the little notepad paper in front of uh, Kruger's face, who reads what's ever on there. And then he says, this is some kind of trick. If it is, he's not buying it. You're going to have to do better than that. I'm not the mole. Cut back to the port. Morgan and Gina are just kind of running around in circles with their guns drawn. Morgan asks Reed for help. Give them something, anything. And Reed says, 100 meters southwest of your current location. Morgan says, let's go. And they take off running. All right, several things here. Let's pause for a second. First of all, I'm going to (laughs) say, as as horrible a person as Hassan Nadir is, I kind of understand why he's angry. (laughs) I'm not condoning anything he did or is about to do, but he has a right to be angry. Like, you faked my own kid, my kid's death. That's not cool. Like, so the anger part, I'm cool with. Totally there. Uh, yeah, pointing a gun at your children, you know, that, that certainly crosses a line. Uh, and again, Reed is directing them. How? I don't buy that Reed is this good. And he's actually not good because when he does pull out a little bit, you see that there's not a direct line between where they are and and the entrance. They got to kind of like go around a corner. It's like he should say, "Hey, two two bins down, make a right, and it'll be right there." Not oh, it's 100 meters southwest, and you got it. Like it's not as the crow flies; they can't walk through the bins. <laughs> You're a smart kid. Figure this out. I will say though that it, this is cutting back and forth. It's all very fast paced and exciting, but. Uh... To watch, but uh, well, it's, t- it's you tough. Are right you know, and they go there, and they go there, and they go there, and they go there. Yeah, you know, obviously, we're not going to like time it out perfectly, and the explanation takes longer than the shot sometimes. But yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, it's <laughs> it's intense. You know, are they going to get there in time? Is is the song going to pull the trigger? Are we going to you know open the door and you know hear a shot? You know, ooh, what's going to happen? Tell me, tell me, Kentad. <laughs> Let's cut back to Langley. Oh. <laughs> Hawk is, yeah, sorry. Hawk, Hawk is saying that we can't arrest him. This is still a CI matter. You must know that. Gideon asks him how he would explain it to the Saudi government. Hawk says, explain what? This whole thing isn't happening. Uh, Gideon says, let's just get Aaliyah and her children back alive. We'll worry about Hassan's life after that. Yeah, Hawks is, I mean... I get that he's the head of the CIA and he's used to like doing whatever the heck he wants and there are no repercussions. But this whole, what? Nothing's happening. Well, it's happening. You may cover it up later. I grant, granted you have that power. And I know what he means is we're not going to tell the Saudi government anything because we're going to deny that this incident ever happened. But in the moment, it's happening. They have a decision to make. No, no, there's nobody here. Aliyah, who's she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We do cut back to the port and Reed is telling Morgan now that the container they want is right in front of them. And Gideon says, make the arrests. Morgan, this is FBI jurisdiction. You're in charge. So they find the container and we see that inside Hassan is holding a gun to Leah's head. And Gideon is like, easy, easy, easy. (laughs) That made me laugh. No sudden (laughs) movements. (laughs) They open the container. Morgan says, FBI, let the woman go. Put the gun down. 
Hassan looks at them. He lets Aaliyah go. He puts down the gun. He says, diplomatic immunity, my friend. Um, Morgan says, uh-uh, you got it wrong, my friend. This container hasn't passed through customs yet. So officially, we're not on U.S. soil. Summers was a smart man. That is a very cool twist. I wish that that had been the whole linchpin to the whole situation here. As you know, it's like, oh, we can arrest you and we will because you're not in the United States. <laughs> that would have been very, very cool. It really just is a way to push the situation in a different direction, I guess. Because they didn't take him out of, the, out of the bin. He's suddenly on U.S. soil at that point. So it's weird. Yeah. So, yeah, after Morgan says Summers was a smart man, Sanchez agrees, but she's putting a gun to Morgan's head and she says that he was a smart man. And then she tells Morgan to drop the gun. Uh Oh, we cut back. Yeah. uh Oh, we cut back to CIA and Gideon is asking Morgan what's going on, but there's no answer. Hawk says still certain that Gina isn't the mole. Morgan gets on the walkie talkie. He's like, "Uh, Gideon, we got a situation here. (laughs) Sanchez has her gun out and she's aiming it at at Hassan and Gideon starts saying, Gina, don't do this. Don't do this. And she says, I don't take orders from you, Bruno. Bruno, what do you want me to do? And Hawk says, you know what I want you to do. And Gina says, say it. And Hawk tells Gideon, I told you from the start that this was strictly in-house. Gideon says, this is not your call. Hawk says, Gina, what are you waiting waiting for? And she says, in order. And so Hawk says, finish him, finish him. Gideon again says, Gina, don't do this. Gina says, you're going to cut out the visual feed, right, Bruno? He says, of course, cut the feed, cut it. And the feed goes out. We see Hassan saying a little prayer to himself. And then we cut back to Langley and we hear several shots ring out. And Hawk looks relieved. He turns around and he says to Gideon, "Ah, I want to thank you, Jason, for your help. And Gideon says, why? Why did you turn against everything you believe in? And Hawk's like, what you talking about, Willis? (laughs) (laughs) Gideon says, when someone asks you how you feel about losing one of your colleagues, the only human answer is, I feel guilty, isn't it? I don't know if that's the only answer, but yeah. certainly it's not, uh, well, you know, I'm just going to get the guy and I'm going to I'm gonna make sure that whoever did it gets killed. I mean, that, that, that's right. a bit of a weird response to it. Show, show a little like, ah, these two people are dead. My two, You know, two of my top four people. <laughs> Yeah, how about remorse? I just have to feel bad. <laughs> a little like, remorse. Uh, something, yeah. something. By the way, uh, so before we get to this next little point here, because uh, the, the the whole linchpin of the situation, we're gonna we're gonna see the note in a second. But every time they they cut the feeds, they go back to this like nine TV screen thing going on there, this jumbo television, and. President Bush has been talking this entire time from the time they got there mm-hmm. <laughs> till now. So, I mean, I get that it's video on a loop, but how long has President Bush been talking? Because, you know, supposed to, everything else is like put up like, oh, this is a live shot from somewhere. It's like, has he been talking yeah. for that long? <laughs> really? Man, President Bush never shut up. Yeah, he he was doing his thing. Uh, President Bush was. I, I thought it was maybe some of the 9-11 footage, to be honest with you, like. For some reason, they were just showing that on a loop. It's possible, but it's a loop thing that's like, come on, this is supposed to be the CIA. It's supposed to be like, you know, you just, even there's like different footage of him, like saying, oh, we always have an eye on the president, I would buy. Like, but just like, no, just not him at a lectern talking over and over and over again with the exact same shot that starts at the exact same 
coin each time is a little silly. Right. Anywho. Uh, anywho, uh, Hawk says, uh, so you brilliantly deduced already that Kruger Spence is the guilty one. So Elle comes up and she hands them the offer note that they showed to Kruger. And it actually says, we know it's not you. Bruno is the mole. So let's, let's think about that for a second there. That's the piece of paper that Gideon handed to Hotch, who read it, and then set the, the plan in motion. So Hotch gets it up from Gideon and goes, we know it's not you. Hawks is the mole. Of course you know it's not me. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just a little weird. I get that, you know, Hotch will figure out, oh, the important part here is, you know, Bruno is the mole is the important part here. But still, it's like, right. oh, I know that means I'm going to have to take Kruger to the next room and show it to Kruger. And like, what? Weird. Yeah. There's like a, a, a gap somewhere in there. Yeah. It, it's, effective, instructions. it's effective as a storytelling shortcut now. But when you think on it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Anyway, Hawk is just, he's very arrogant. And he's saying, every oh, you guys are being ridiculous. This is absurd. And Gideon says, the only thing that's absurd is your arrogance. You thought you could get away with this. You believe you could get away with this. And Hawk says, unfortunately, with Hassan down now dead, you have no proof. I'm afraid that the shields are quite operational. <laughs> your poor friends. <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to the containers and we see a very much alive Hassan being arrested. Leah appears to be well and Sanchez is apologizing to Morgan, but she had to know if she was right. And Morgan asks her how she knew it was Bruno. And she says, because Gideon believed in her and there isn't any reason in the world to kill a man who knows as much as Hassan does. And Morgan says, except one. And Gina says, yeah, the same one that made Bruno and Hassan kill Summers. Self-preservation. Morgan says, it looks like Gideon was right. And Gina agrees. Not only that, but he was right that she was going to, it was only a matter of time before she betrayed a direct order in the field. <laughs> Which she did. Mm -hmm. It's almost like Gideon is like the oracle. We're like, you know, oh you know early in the episode goes. You will betray an order in the field. It's like, ah, I'll never do such a thing. Oh, but you will. But I won't, but you will. Like, God damn it, I betrayed an order in the field. How did he know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we then cut back to Reed, and he's at Langley, and he's informing them all. Hassan is alive and well. He's en route. And that's all the proof they'll need. So now Hawk finally looks distraught. <laughs> He tells Gideon that he's a fool if he thinks they're going to put him in prison with all that he knows. Uh, Elle asks him why he had to kill Olivia, and Gideon says, economics. Olivia was looking into his financial records when she snapped when he snapped her neck. And, Al, and Elle says, oh, she knew your dirty look, little secret. And now Hawk again is back to arrogance, and he says, well, which one? I had so many. <laughs> and she says, you were looking to cash out using Hassan. And Hawk says, mm-hmm, $20 million from Hassan will go a long way to help occupy my mind on a beach somewhere. And Gideon says, only beach you'll see is on a postcard I send you from my vacation. Let me have your gun. So uh, he gives Gideon his gun, and he tells Gideon that the consequences of what he's doing is going to be a lot harder to deal with than he thinks. Then we cut back to JJ, who's saying bye to the CIA guys. She's like, all right, we should do this some again sometime. Peace out, basically. <laughs> uh, then she sits down by Garcia and she's like, jerks. 
And uh, Garcia seems perturbed. She's clickety clacking and she's all, come on, come on. I know you're in there. And JJ asks her what she's doing. And AJ says she's looking for Prince William's number and the CAIA is bound to have it. And JJ's like, oh, Garcia, come on. All of a sudden she does find the number and she looks around frantically for a pin, which is not by her for some reason. So she gets up to go get her pin and she's fumbling around for it, knocks him over. Uh, when she picks it up and turns around, her link to the CIA computer, CIA computer is gone. She's out of luck. And JJ's like, oh, too bad. And uh, Garcia says, oh, sleep well, sweet prince. And JJ's like, uh, good night, you crazy person. <laughs> that was a fun little. It's, it's fun. fun and it's fine that it's in character that, you know, Garcia would be like this whimsical kind of Anglophile. You know, that 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 all tracks and JJ's reactions are, are really good and their interaction is great. But my only thing is that if Garcia could on no information go clickety clickety clack, it's at the Baltimore Harbor. <laughs> In the shipyard, right there. Clickety, 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 clack. These four people, and here are the financial records. I want to find a phone number. Clickety, clickety, <laughs> clickety. Hang on, clack. Oh, and the number's coming up. Oh, one. Clickety, clickety, clickety. Two, seven, nine. Like, really? <laughs> she would have yeah. clickety, clickety, clacked that thing in two seconds and written it down in yeah. another two. Like, not a chance she would have been defeated there. She 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 would have clickety-clickety-clacked, can't find a pen, screenshot, save to my file. Boom, done. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I would say. Screenshot, boom. You don't even have to leave. Go get a pen. What is, what is this? She would have gotten screenshots that thing. in 2006, AJ. Yeah. <laughs> Back at Langley, Reed is there telling Hot she doesn't understand why Hawk asked him there in the first place. And Hotch says, well, he didn't really. Summers set that in motion by asking for the evaluation. And Gideon says, when I put the call in, Bruno had no choice. He had to find out what Gideon knew and keep him close. And Hotch says, well, that was a bad choice. Elle says, you said you'd spent send him a postcard of a beach and you lied. And Rita's like, yeah, you hate the beach. <laughs> uh, Sanchez says, beaches are for storming. She thanks Gideon. He thanks her. Uh, she tells Morgan she could always rent a deck chair and reconsider her career. Morgan says, well, you always know where to find us. And she kind of laughs and says, yeah, I know where you live. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll be watching you tonight, uh, Morgan. <laughs> yeah. Um, Creepy. Don't tell Clooney to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Cut back. Finally, AJ to Gideon back in his office. We get a closing quote voiceover. George Orwell said, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And then we see Gideon is looking at a newspaper and the headline is CIA agent killed in car accident. And it's Hawks, this picture there. I mean, that uh, the turnaround time on this newspaper, man. <laughs> he, I realize this, this, is, yeah. this, this is a cover story and he didn't actually die in a car accident. They, they set something up, but even that's going to take time, and the leak to the press is going to take time, and uh, are newspapers really released, like, in the evening anymore? <laughs> Don't they wait till the morning edition? It's just weird. Yeah. Well, that was. Uh, but that is our episode. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. Mm. I thought it was a nice, our, nice change of pace. 
uh, you know, it's kind of an Agatha Christie kind of whodunit kind of mystery wrapped around. But it, again, it, it all focuses on the individual personalities. And uh, I, I liked it. I don't know what you think. I liked it. I It took me a while to get into it. I don't know why. I, it, it, once Once we got to Langley and the action started picking up, it was one of those things where it was kind of clear to me in the back of my mind that it was going to be like our mole turned out to be kind of who I thought it was going to be. So it wasn't like it was it was hard to figure out. Or maybe it's just that I've watched so many of these and you go, oh, well, it's going to likely be this person. Yeah. So that may be what it was. But again, all the characterizations uh, of these actors, even L, poor little L. I mean, so much I talk about her. Lola Gladini is doing the best she can with what she's been given, I feel like, rather than anything bad on her part. Yes, uh, I agree. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I I, guess, I, I, I will say, as, as much as these characters that they meet in the CIA are really just thumbnail sketches of people because they only have to last for one episode... Uh, still, by the end of it, you know, if you told me they were coming back uh, next year with the uh, Gina Kruger spinoff, I'd buy it. And I'd probably watch it. <laughs> yeah. So what do we think as far as our winning, AJ, did the BAU team win this penultimate episode of season one? I mean, yeah, I think they absolutely won. They, uh, they took on the CIA. And essentially, the head of this unit is the mole. And sure, Olivia died on their watch. But, I mean, I can't really hold that against them. They, they they really did read the situation right. They figured it out. They put the wheels in motion for Aaliyah and the kids to be saved, which is the most important thing. And, yeah, I, I think uh, this, is, this, is, this is a win. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, agreed 100%. And uh, one more. We got one more episode to go for this season and we can see what their overall record for season one uh, happens to be. Indeed. And then we'll compare it season over season and see if there's any season where they just really screwed the pooch or if they were consistent. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So how about uh, AJ, how about our little quiz that we like to do at the end of each episode here? Oh, you know, I love the quiz. I have another podcast called Beat My Guest where I give a little trivia and I like to ask you my three little questions each week. Inspired by and based on the uh, episode that we have just talked ad nauseum about. Starting with question one. Question one here. This is a fun little rabbit hole I went down today. So uh, let's see if you can get this multiple choice question correct. Uh, Ray Baker, who played Bruno Hawks, also appeared as a, a character named Dr. Crandall in a 1987 ABC after school special alongside a teenaged Marissa Tomei. He's been acting for a long time. <laughs> so mm, I would yeah. like for you to tell me, what was the name of this after-school special? Right, so it's multi-choice. Okay. Is it A, Daddy Can't Read? Is it B, Just Tipsy, Honey? Is it C, <laughs> is it C My Daddy Can't Be Crazy? Can he? Or is it D, Super mom's daughter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no clue. I don't remember any of these for for good reason, probably. Um, but I think I like. I'm gonna go with C. My daddy can't be crazy, can he? 
Uh, well, he can be crazy, and you're crazy for picking that one. Uh, that is not correct. All four of these, by the way, are, in fact, titles of after-school specials. I did not make these up. <laughs> these were all from a two-year span. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. So, Daddy Can't Read, He Might Be Crazy, and uh, Mommy's a Little Tipsy. Uh, but this was an episode called Super Mom's Daughter. Uh, yes, Marissa Tomei Ooh. is a teen girl whose mother wants her to follow in her footsteps and become a reporter, but she just wants to go to art school. <laughs> Maybe have some kids. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. I miss those uh, after-school specials. <laughs> I really don't. I don't know if I... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I ever watched one, but I like to. Say I gotta that. say, the reading, <laughs> reading like all the descriptions for all of these just made me laugh out loud. They're atrocious, <laughs> delightfully so. All right, can't give you that one, but let's see if you can get back on the horse with this one. This one is not a multiple choice. This is a straight. Give me the answer if you can. What artist heroically recorded a song called "The Secret Life of Arabia" in 1977? With the help of Brian Eno, because there's no I in team. <laughs> I feel like you've given me a clue here. There's no I in team. Perhaps I've given you several clues. <laughs> Secret the Brian Eno. There's so many clues, but no answers coming to my head. What artists? I have no idea. And what year did we say? 1977, The Secret Life of Arabia. Secret Life of Arabia, 1977. Dang it, AJ. <laughs> I'm going to have a bad week with this quiz. I can tell already. <laughs> I will say uh, Chic. Chic. Oh, that's an excellent guess. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Secret Life of Arabia, Chic. Sure. Uh, but no. No. No, uh, I said, no. I said he heroically recorded it because the album was called Heroes. This was the final track on that Ugh. album. The artist in question is David Bowie. And the reason I say there's no I in team, because the actor who played Kruger Spence in this episode was David Bow. Spelled Bowie without the I. Uh. And when I saw the opening credits, I thought, uh. David Bowie's in Oh, David Bow. <laughs> uh. Okay. Bear, I could have... I maybe could have come to that. No, I don't think so. I don't know. If he'd, if he'd looked at the opening credits and seen the name, maybe he would have said, David Bowie in this episode? <laughs> oh, no. Just some bald guy. <laughs> he, Kruger Spence. He, he actually, the actor David Bowie, actually appeared in an episode of SWAT just this past year alongside uh, our good friend Shamar. <laughs> Shamar! SWAT, SWAT! Sounds good. Indeed. All right. Our final question. And my favorite question, of course, as you know, each and every week is, what is the plot going to be of the next episode that we are going to cover? And next week will be Criminal Minds, Season 1, Episode 22, the season finale, pew, 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 entitled The, entitled the Fisher King, Part 1. The Fisher King, Part 1. Which of these is the plot? Is it A, a homeless man breaks into rich people's homes to sleep and kill as he searches in vain for the Holy Grail? <laughs> is it a B, L and Morgan go on vacation together in Jamaica only to become suspects in a murder? Is it C, 
Gideon ponders retirement after a near-death experience involving an unsub who gets away. Or is it D, Reed falls asleep reading historical fiction, leading to a dream episode in Arthurian times? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I'm hoping for D. Really hoping for D. Uh, (laughs) I I don't think Criminal Minds is quite there yet, though. I could be wrong, (laughs) but I don't think it's quite there yet. I... Don't know. I'm going to go with uh, with uh, Gideon pondering retirement when an unsub gets away. All right, Gideon. That was choice C. That was I choice think. C, indeed. That was choice C. Well, yeah. it was certainly not a a homeless man breaks into rich people's homes in the search for the Holy Grail because that's the movie, The Fisher King. That's essentially the plot the of that. King. I right. tweaked it a little bit to add some murder, but. Uh, yeah, that's basically the pun. The Fisher King, the movie, not A. And, and no, Reed did not fall asleep reading historical <laughs> fiction, though I, I, I would love to see that episode as well. Uh, so naturally, it is the only one that could possibly exist in this universe. Ellen Morgan go on vacation together in Jamaica, only to become suspects in a murder. Yes, that is what we are seeing next week. L and Morgan go on vacation together to Jamaica. And it, I knew you would never get this one because what? <laughs> yeah. I I I, You're speechless. I thought about it and immediately dismissed You're speechless. It. Uh what is L thinking? She does she does not like men and especially she does not like players. I am just shocked. <laughs> I am shocked. I can see in your eyes now. You still don't believe me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think you're still lying. I still think you're lying. Yes. I. Uh, wow. Well, that I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for next week's episode. Uh, oh, yeah. This was fun. <laughs> and looks like we got it. But it sounds like we got maybe we're going to get left on a cliffhanger of some kind. It sounds because this is called part one. Uh, so. I guess, the, and they'll do that at the end of a season. Absolutely. So. It's just a standard procedure <laughs> for a lot sense. of shows. And uh, it's a good way uh, for a show to try and hedge their bets towards a renewal. If they think there's a, right. uh, you know, uh, some shows will just like wrap up the entire series. Like say, I don't know if we're coming back for season six. Let's wrap the whole thing up and maybe leave one crumb out there we can spin off of. But there have been many a show out there who said, all right, we're going to end on a cliffhanger, and they have to bring us back. And they went, nope. <laughs> <laughs> My so-called life, I'm yeah. looking at you. <laughs> <sighs> I'll never know. I'll never know. Um, wow. Guys, thank you so much. That was uh, your latest episode of Felonious Pundits. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. We hope you had a great time. Please be sure to subscribe to, to rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And please spread the word. Let your friends know about us. You can always write to us at any time at feloniouspundits at gmail.com. Or you can follow us at podcast underscore pundits on the Twitter. For AJ Mass, this is Kintad Svensgaard saying goodbye and keep profiling. Wheels up. Shame leads to secrets, and secrets 
lead to lies, and lies ruin everything. Stephanie Perkins <laughs>